Over the past several years, uh, my wife and I, in the evenings, you know, we are empty nesters, and, and after dinner, you know, we would be about our business, and, and sometimes we'd find ourselves in different parts of our house, and uh, my wife would uh, be talking. I, I would presume that she was on the phone or something like that, but, but uh, she many times would come into the room where I was, and she would say these words, did you hear what I said? And uh, I would say, well, uh, no, I, I, I didn't. You'll have to say it again. I didn't know you were speaking to me. I didn't quite hear it. This, this has happened several times. This, this has ha happened over and over the past few years. Finally, one day, about two years ago, she said, you know something? You need to have your hearing tested. I mean, I think it's, I think it's your hearing. And you know, I said, well, it might be. And I have noticed we, we were at a wedding reception recently, one of the loud bands, and everyone's talking. You know how that, how that, that uh, chaos is going on. And I, really, I couldn't hear what people were saying to me three feet away. I was trying to read lips, doing the best I can. I wasn't doing a very good job. So finally, I said, OK. She said, well, when are you going? I said, well, I'll figure out a time. So a week later, she said, here's your time. She handed me the time. She made it for me, and uh, I went. And uh, it was really easy. It's just down, it's a walk down the street from my office. There's, a, there's an audiologist there. And I went in and I had my hearing test. And it was really great. Walked in, the receptionist, Tins Church here at Summit. We had a nice conversation, what I heard of it. And uh, we um, then proceeded with the audiologist, a doctor, to, to, to uh, have my hearing test. If you ever had a hearing tested, they put you in a little booth. And they give you a little, little button that you can push that's attached to a wire. And they put uh, headphones on you, and, and you have to push this button when you hear a sound. And they test both ears, and, and that's very professional. There's computers on the other side. And uh, I, I, would, I, I was just having a hard time hearing. In this Advent season, we take time to remember. We take time to anticipate Christmas what it meant then and what it means now. We were reminded uh, last week that Christmas is, is a time of promise. The first announcement that the angel Gabriel made was to an older man, Zechariah, in the temple. We talked about that last week. And he promised that he, he and his wife, who was well beyond at the time the, 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 the uh, years where she could have children, uh, miraculously, she would be able to bear a son by the name of John, who would become John the Baptist. Jesus would have a second cousin, that's who John the Baptist was, who would announce his ministry and call the people to repentance. Christmas isn't just a time of promise. Christmas is a time of proclamation. There is good news that is going to be shared with many, many people down through the generations. It's a time of communication, exceptional and supernatural. God is with us and will be with us. John says it beautifully in his gospel. The Word became flesh. Jesus became flesh. And he dwelt among us. And he communicates to you and to me. A lot of times as I talk with people and, and hear their stories and counsel with them, I, I will ask them this question. Almost everyone, really, who, who is a person of faith, uh, certainly, and, and the, the question is really a simple one. What is God telling you? 
What's he telling you? What do you hear him say? What's he communicating to you? So I want us to look again at this text uh, that's in Luke chapter 1. And uh, I want to start with verse 26 and read uh, through this passage, just a few verses. And let's be introduced to uh, our story and this person by the name of Mary. Verse 26 of chapter 1. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. Who was Elizabeth? Elizabeth was Zachariah's wife mentioned in, in the previous verses. And uh, she indeed had conceived, and she was in the process of, of uh, uh, her pregnancy, and she was in the sixth month. Gabriel, the angel, came to a virgin, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel sent went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. So we find out a little bit about this woman. We, we know what her name is, Mary, or Miriam, uh, the Hebrew name. Uh, she lived in a small town in, in the northern part of Galilee called Nazareth. And she was a woman who was unmarried, a young woman. And historians and theologians who've done the studies and, and, and uh, study the culture of that day uh, say that almost universally that Mary was somewhere around the age of 14 to 16 years of age. She was a young woman, really a girl. Uh, into her adolescence, what we call adolescence today, but she was about 14 to 16 years of age, quite young. Interesting that Gabriel was assigned to go to a very old man uh, six months or seven months previous, and now he comes to a young girl. Put yourself in Mary's place. How would you have responded? We talked last week about angels, angels who are spirits who minister to us and at times communicate to us. But here she is. We don't know what she was doing. We don't know where she was. But uh, she was at a place where Gabriel came to her and began to speak to her. I'm amazed as I, as I put myself once again in the story uh, how at, at Mary's youth, you know, it, I'm also uh, interested that when Gabriel comes to her, he says, greetings you, verse 28, greetings you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Now, I think all of us would want to be highly favored by God, but here is a young woman who I don't know how she's lived her life so far, but she is in a place where Gabriel is able to communicate to her that she is highly favored. Can there be any true spiritual commitment when you're young? A lot of times I, I tend to be very cavalier when it comes to people who are younger. I mean, I love people who are young, uh, children and, and adolescents. Uh, but sometimes it, it, in the back of my mind, I think, well, really, you know, ages from birth to 18 are just sort of the minor leagues. You really don't get going until you're 18 and off you go. But here is a young woman in her teen years, and what God communicates to her is, is, is amazing. This was a human being chosen for arguably the most important role 
in the history of mankind. And she's a girl, a teenage girl. Those of you who are, who are that age, those of you who are in your teen years, and those of you uh, in our other campuses who, who are in that age, it, it matters to God what you do. It matters to God who you are. It matters to God the decisions you make. This is why we have a ministry to youth. This is why we have Surge and Edge uh, in, in our programs here at this church. It's not just to keep kids busy so they don't get into trouble. It is to teach truth. And when those truths are lived out, it doesn't matter what your age, it can have an effect. It can have an eternal effect. So here's Gabriel. Gabriel was also the one who went to Zechariah. Gabriel was pretty busy this time of history, I guess. He was the one who announced the birth. He was an angel, a spirit uh, ministering to and communicating uh, to Zechariah and to Mary. So how does God communicate to us? I asked someone recently, what's God saying? And, and he, he looked back sort of quizzically and he said, well, how do I know it's God or just a voice inside my head? Have you ask, ever asked yourself that question? How do I know if it's God or if this is just self-talk going on? How do we discern God's voice from our own desires? Is this just wishful thinking? Or is God indeed really talking to us as believers? I had a friend a few years ago told, told us a, a, of a incident in his life, he, he got a phone call late one afternoon. This, this gentleman is a designer of um, water uh, uh, features all around the world, pools and fountains, and very sophisticated uh, uh, water works all over the world, uh, just marvelously done. And he got a call one afternoon, uh, and uh, the, there was a person on the other line, says, and she asked, is this Mr. Martin? friend's name. He said, well, yes, it is. And she said, sir, would you please hold for Donald Trump? And he started to laugh. He said, really? And he really, he chuckled. He thought, who's, you know, who's, you know, I don't know Donald Trump. And, and, and he was uh, chuckling to himself, wondering what friend was, was pulling his leg. She said, no, sir, you need to hold. Uh, he wants to speak to you. And uh, he, he said, okay, because he, he wanted to play through with a joke. And, and, uh, uh, a minute later, a voice came on the other line, and it was indeed Donald Trump. I, you know, he couldn't see him, but I'm sure his lips were pursed like this or something. But, but, uh, and and uh, the, the Donald told my friend. He said, "You know, Mr. Martin, I, I'm here. I'm overlooking uh, uh, the fountains that you that you designed for my building, and I want to tell you what a beautiful job you did. And I just want to know the guy who designed it, and I want to call him, thank him personally." Um, he recognized his voice. Now, I'm not saying you should vote for Donald Trump or love him or hate him, okay? That's not a political advertisement. But how do you know God's voice? What does it sound like? Does it sound like James Earl Jones, right? Or, or Morgan Freeman? Does it sound, is that God's voice? No, it's, 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 it's more profound than that. Here is an angel. Gabriel, now speaking to a teenage girl. 
and he's communicating something very, very important. And he gives us a, a tutorial, I think, a, a, some, some pointers of how we can know when God is communicating to us. First thing he does is he takes Mary from consternation to a more comfortable place. God often speaks in difficult times, agitated times. And even though that communication might cause some initial discomfort, he always brings us eventually to a place of comfort. I often have quoted C.S. Lewis this quote, God whispers to us in our pleasures, but shouts to us in our pain. Ever been in deep consternation? Fear almost? I, I, about two months ago, I was in the middle of the night and I uh, evidently had a dream, but I didn't know it was a dream. Have you ever had one of those experiences at night? Uh, I have uh, experienced a condition called cardiac flutter. I've had a, a procedure done to correct it. Thankfully, it's corrected. But when I was in cardiac flutter a few years ago, my heart would, would race 160, 170 beats a minute. It would not slow down. That is not a fun experience to go through. And when I did, uh, they tried to medicate it back down, couldn't do it, so I had to have, have a procedure done. And, and thankfully, it, it, it's been successful. But this night, Evidently, in my dream, I dreamt I had the flutter. And I'm telling you, it was not a pleasant experience. And I, I, you know, I felt like, oh boy, here it goes again. And I remember I woke up from this, really, it was a, it was a nightmare. And it just seemed real. And, and it was one of those things where I was so afraid. Have you ever had that wash of adrenaline go over you? Or just from my head to my toe, it was just this huge fear. And then, of course, I do this. And I realized, oh, OK, it was a dream. Mary, minding her own business, and an angel shows up. And it causes her consternation. She's uncomfortable. But God's communication ultimately always takes us to a place of comfort. David says in the 23rd Psalm, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort Mary saw an angel. Mary was greatly troubled. And what kind of greeting that might be? What was his greeting? Greetings, you were highly favored. The Lord is with you. What does that even mean? She didn't know. It was, it was a stunning statement and a stunning experience. And she was troubled. But the angel took her to a place of comfort. Many of you here listening to my words come here troubled. And it's no... It's no crime to have trouble. It is, it's a common human experience. It's not wrong to have anxiety. But God, I believe, for you and me, does not want us to continually stay there. The next thing that Gabriel does is he goes into an explanation. He takes Mary from confusion to clarity. From confusion to clarity. When I hear someone I'm counseling or talking to say, I, 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 I'm not exactly sure what God wants me to do, my best advice to them is to say, God really probably hasn't finished with his communication. 
And it's best not to do anything until you're sure. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 14, God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. He's not, he's not a God when he speaks that is going to lead us to a place where we're more confused. Mary was fearful and was confused. Then Gabriel took a few moments to, to, and a few brief statements to clarify. See, when God speaks to you and me, he does not confuse. He does not judge. He does not reject. And he does not shame. In the book of Revelation, the Apostle John says that, that the enemy, Satan, is the accuser of the brethren. Those are the schemes of the one who accuses us before God. That's not what God communicates. So verse 31, the angel says to Mary, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. So Gabriel expresses clearly and concisely what God wishes Mary to be aware of. Basically, you're going to conceive, and that baby will be the Messiah. He will be the Savior of the world. And it was such an important message that God sent an angel Gabriel, in person, to deliver it. Mary asks the question. As he is explaining this, how can this be? She says, I'm a, I'm a virgin. A logical and informative question. She's probably thinking to herself, do you have the right person? But Gabriel goes on to clarify and explain what was about to happen. And I'm sure Mary didn't fully understand, but all of a sudden, her confusion turned to clarity as she began to clearly understand what God wanted her to do and to be aware of. It's okay to be mystified. It's not okay to be confused. When my daughter was between her junior and senior year of college, she went uh, on an internship to Seattle where my son lived. She wanted to spend time out there to be with him and his wife and also to, to see that city. And, and uh, Chris was able to help her find an internship. Beth enjoyed her time. And uh, toward the end of her time out there, she called me up and she said, Dad, she said, uh, I really like Seattle and I, and I think I might want to stay here. Now, she had one more year to go in, in, at Taylor University School in Indiana. And uh, she said, you know, there's an agreement with other colleges in, in the same organization that Taylor is that I could s spend uh, my last year out here. I think I'd like to stay. And she had some, some reasons, but uh, she also, I knew, had some hard things that she had to go back and face at school. And there are some things that she really uh, didn't want to necessarily go back and have to experience there. Nothing major or awful, but things that it would be easy to walk away from. 
And my daughter's a good saleswoman, and she was, was telling me all the good things that would happen if she was there. And I listened, and I, you know, I tried to really consider it. And, and, um, and after about a 20-minute conversation, she said, Dad, she said, what do you think? And I said, do you, do you want to know right away, or you want me to take some time? She said, no, I want, I want to know right away. Do you, what do you think I should do? I said, I think you need to go back to Taylor. I, th I, don't, I don't think you should stay out there. And I gave her a couple of reasons, but uh, I said that my basic reason is I just sense that that's where God wants you to be, and I think it's important that you go back. And to my daughter's credit, she didn't blink twice. She said, okay, if that's what you think, then I'm coming back. What a, what a girl, right? You know why she did that? She knew the voice of her father. And she came home, went back to school in Indiana. A month later, met a guy, began to date him. Uh, his name was Justin. He became my son-in-law and the father of my grandchildren. And uh, I, I like to think I wasn't just my own voice, but I was the voice of God in that decision. I mean, really, that's pretty cool, don't you think? When God speaks, he takes us to a place of clarity, not confusion. And then I love the last verse of this passage, verse 38. When God speaks to you and me, he, he just doesn't say, okay, this is the way it is, and we just sort of sit and, and do nothing. It always takes us to a place that I believe is challenging. It stretches our faith. There, there's, there's a, there's a uh, journey that's ahead of us when he speaks. Even though we're able to determine that it's God speaking to us when he does, and that, that gives us comfort and clarity in terms of the next steps we need to take, that doesn't mean that we'll have it easy from that point on. Sometimes it means just the opposite. But here's Mary's response. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Other translation, behold, she says, the bond slave of the Lord. May it done to me according to your word. Remember Gabriel's conversation with Zechariah last week? Zechariah informing the angel it probably wasn't going to work. He was too old. His wife was too old. And, and the angel said, okay, you're not going to be able to speak until that, that baby's born because you did not believe. Not Mary's response. Here's the older man, the priest, the man who served God, who's unable to believe it. Mary, this young woman, says, okay, I don't understand it all. I'm not sure what you mean exactly, but I am the Lord's servant, the bond slave of the Lord. The Christmas story reminds us that God didn't just redeem us through the coming of his son. He challenges us all with a call to faith trusting that it will be done to us according to his word. There are angels in the Old Testament, too. <clears throat> One that I, that I really enjoy the, the uh, encounter was a man by the name of Gideon. It's in the book of, of uh, Judges. Gideon was uh, the least in his family of the least tribe of Israel. And the children of Israel at this time was being oppressed by the Midianites. Gideon was in a wine press, 
hole in the ground, and he was trying to thresh grain, which is that's not where you want to thresh grain. You want to do it on top of a hill where the wind can take the chaff away. And he's trying to do it because he's hiding the grain from the Midianites so they won't come and rob what they have grown. And an angel shows up. And you know what the angel says? First words, greetings, O valiant warrior. Here's this guy hiding from the Midianites in a wine press trying to thresh grain. You, you couldn't find a more ridiculous greeting of someone who was in that situation. But the angel communicates to him that, that he would lead the children of Israel and he would conquer the Midianites and, and, and bring them back to power uh, where they wouldn't be oppressed anymore. And it's a great message. But Gideon goes through a process. It is a difficult road that he travels. And yet God begins the journey with this communication. So what's God saying to you? What's he been communicating to you lately? You might say, oh, I don't think I've heard from any angels lately. Well, maybe not, but I think God always is communicating to us. And I was, as I was preparing this, I was thinking, you know, there's, there are some things that I have over the years have realized that, hey, this is probably the voice of God and not my own thinking and not my own wishful thinking or the voice inside my head. Uh, and I just want to leave you with, with, uh, with a few things, a listing of a few things. It, uh, here, here's, here's how I know it's God's voice when he speaks. The first one is this. When God speaks to me, uh, he calls me to put others first. It is, it, it's not a self-serving communication. Others come first. Back when I was single, I... Uh, and, and we, I was new in my, my faith, and I was with some other young believers, and, and we tended to spiritualize everything. And I remember telling my good friend, Doug, I think God's telling me to date Doreen, this pretty girl that we both knew. And, and he looked at me, and he smiled. And he says, well, I think God's telling me to do that, too. Two, two self-serving interpretations of what God's saying. That's not God. That's, that's just me. When God speaks to you and me, I believe... One of, the, one of the characteristics of that is he calls us to minister and serve others first. Second thing, when God speaks to me, it's always in accordance to Scripture, and he always calls me to obedient to what this book has to say. Knowing what it says is great, but then when he speaks, it's got to line up. Third thing I found out, when God speaks, many times, most of the time, almost every time, it's to a, what I would call the narrow path. It's not necessarily an easy road to travel. Now, there are some times that there, it's, it's difficult. Sometimes you need to, to take the steps of faith, but there is, there is a narrow path call. God doesn't call us to, to easy. God calls us to significant. And many times it, it's the narrow path. Fourth thing, when God speaks and it's his voice, I know it's his voice when it's simple and clear. Simple and clear. It's not complicated. It's, 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 it's a direction and uh, it requires a direct answer. Fifth, and this is sort of mine, you'll have to humor me on this, but I've really, I, I found this to be true over time. I call this my light bulb experience. It's like there, there are times when, when, I'm, when I'm praying, when I'm considering things, and all of a sudden, 
ah, the light goes on. And I will say literally myself, well, where did that come from? And God will say, from me. It's, it's, it's the light bulb. We go, oh, okay. And there have been points in my life where I've struggled for months and sometimes years in, in a situation when, when I just get to the point and then when God says, okay, this is the direction you need to go, it's like, okay, that's, that's what I need to do. The sixth thing, when God speaks, it always leads me after he speaks to praise. I mean, I want to I thank God. I want, I want to be in his presence. I want to extol him. There, there is a spiritual element to that that's, that's wonderful. And if you, wanna, if you want to see the result of this angelic visit and, and, and the faith that Mary had, you just need to read a few verses down, starting with, with verse 46, the, what, what, the, what tradition calls the Magnificat, Mary's song of praise to God for what he is doing in her life. When God speaks, it will lead us to praise. And the last thing, the seventh thing, I, I know it's God's voice when, when it also allows me to have peace. There's comfort there. There's clarity there. There's challenge there. I got done with my hearing test, uh, took my earphones off. Uh, the doctor called me out and uh, brought me into her office. We sat down. She printed up the results. It was really quite efficient, quite impressive. There, there, was, there was a line. There was a chart. Both ears. They had both ears there. And, and, and I looked at it, and I, and I didn't know what it meant. She explained it to me. She said, well, she said, Mr. Keller, you actually, your hearing's quite good. She said, I was, I was astounded. I thought that was pretty nice. She said, yeah, in your right ear, there's a little dip at some high tones, but, but we found out that you actually don't need any hearing aids at all. You know, you just might want to avoid loud crowds and, and uh, make sure that, that you accommodate that, but um, good news, you don't need a hearing aid. Well, I, I had to go home and tell my wife, of course, that uh, that was the case. And I tried to put the best face on it. I, I, you know, good news, I said when I walked in. She said, what's that? I said, my hearing is great. And she was, she's so sweet. She goes, oh, that's really good. And then, she, and then she went, hey, hey, how about how about all those times when you really didn't listen to what I had to say? You said you just didn't hear me. I, I'm still trying to formulate a good response to that. So you might want to pray for me. Jesus says it beautifully in the Gospels. There are points in time. Can you imagine the Son of God? in his adult years in his ministry, he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. She who has ears to hear, let her hear. Advent. It's a time where God communicates. The word becomes flesh. And God sent angels, his ministering spirits, to communicate to some very special people, an old priest serving in Jerusalem and a young teenage girl who found favor in the sight of God. And when God shows up to you, when God shows up to me and says, hey, it's time, may we all respond. Behold, the bond slaves of the Lord 
may be done to us according to your word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for Mary. Thank you for her life, her witness, for her words. Thank you for her response of faith. I pray, Lord, for myself and each person here that we would all respond that way. And I would ask that as we come to this communion table, that we would be reminded that through your son you communicated to us and through your son you gave us something that is more precious than our lives itself, eternal life. So as we remember this, help us to use this time to hear from you. And may we be obedient in response. It's in Christ's name we pray.